0: American football in Finland.
1: The voice in your ears is Perfect Purvis, and this is American football in Finland. Today, I'm joined by my co host, Coach Q and Chris Green. What's going on, fellas? What's going on? How's it going, guys? Good to have the band back together again. Yes, sir. The AFF podcast is available wherever you listen to your podcasts. We're currently available on more than 25 different platforms. The show is also available on our YouTube channel. Wherever you listen, be sure to rate us. Anything less than five stars will tell us that you are a hater. Today, we're discussing the 2022 Maple League playoffs. This weekend, four teams will compete for a chance to play in the 43rd Vakramalyuk. The Quopio Steelers, Helsinki Wolverines, City Crocodiles, and Helsinki Roosters each have played well enough this season to make it to the postseason. This will be a long one if you're listening, so we'll try to wrap up the regular season before diving into this week's playoff matchups. It's first down. We get a chance to start fresh and discuss whatever is on our minds. Q, what's going on with you first? It's playoffs,
0: baby. The main thing that's on my mind right now is playoffs. I've been waiting on this. Everybody's, Everybody's been waiting on this. It's finally time. This show, with all that money spent, all that time that you spent playing together, it's time to pay off now. So, hey, you got to put your money where your mouth is this week.
2: What about you, Chris? What's going on with you, man? Well, I just had a holiday in Egypt, as you know, for 11 nights. Nice, nice bit of r and uh, Really, really good time. Decent, decent country, very reasonably priced as well. And it was, we got to experience some good things like quad biking and dirt bugging. And we did a scuba dive as well. Oh, we visited this like Orange Bay Island where it was like a kind of like a fake Maldives vibe to it. But yeah, it was really sound and it was, it was nice to get away. It's the first, first holiday I've had in, what, like three years since COVID. So, yeah, it was good to get away and, you know, just chill and relax for 11 days. Let's be nice. Just get a
1: little relaxation, okay? I wouldn't know what that's like, guys. I missed another fantasy football draft. <laughs> Q, you know, didn't we talk about this last week? Was it with you when I told you I I missed the draft and then I had another one the next week? Well, I was in Helsinki. We had seven-on-seven seven practice on Sunday, and I'm, I'm at the practice, and after practice, me and my daughter go out to the – to the park to play so that meant I was about an hour late getting back to Lati, and I didn't realize that I thought my draft is like 10 o'clock but it was like nine o'clock and I get on at like 9 30 and I'm the commissioner I'm running the league and there was some issues with roster spots and some trades that didn't go through and I don't get there till halfway through the draft I'm spending all this week fixing my fantasy league because now I got people saying we should redraft or people saying, hey, I want my money back or, hey, can we at least change the rules? So I got to deal with all that. So, you know, that's what's going on with me, guys. Fantasy football is 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 in motion. Uh, NFL starts this week, so I'm excited about that. But since my fantasy is a little up and down, I'm going to have to fix that. So that's it for me for first down. <laughs> fantasy. Fantasy. Another Maple League season in the books. Uh, we did this last year, so we're going to bring it back this year. Let's talk about some of the top storylines, you know, some of the drama or, you know, running jokes of this season.
2: Uh, Chris, what, what what was one of the top storylines of the 2022 season for you? So my first storyline is going to be about Shane Etter. He actually led the league in passing yards. He passed for 2,512 yards and 26 passing touchdowns. So he's tied top for the most passing touchdowns and he's top for the most passing yards. He's also top for the most interceptions thrown as well, but it just goes to show that there was something that they could work with on that UNC team. If they had a few upgrades, maybe on that defense, they may have been competitive and may have been able to sneak into that fourth spot, but you know, I'm I'm clutching at straws here, but him leading the league in passing is, is a big thing. And, Rojo did that I think a few seasons ago when he was there with UNC as well so they seem to have the passing offense down he, even if he's got guys in some of the throws he's been making this season guys in his face coming through it's like one two ball's got to be out like before two because he's got you know one two maybe three guys in his face so it makes that passing yard even more impressive that he's leading the league. I think
1: that that's a good point you make and it it's going to lead me to what I think was the storyline of this year was how and why did the Cuckoo Eagles get into Maple League? <laughs> because I think it was one of those situations where I'm a little bit close to the, the Eagles organization and or I have some familiarity with them. And I've seen them play in Division One and we just kind of assumed that they would have similar success or at least be competitive and they were not competitive. It's, it's a little bit different than, you know, dealing with the royal situation of last year where he's like, oh, did they just take a year off? Or even the year before when the butchers pretty much tanked and you're just like, oh, the organization's just not doing what they're supposed to do. Or you, you could take it how you want to, but both of those organizations bounce back. But this team, you never felt like, okay, they got something going. Like you said, at least with UNC, they were able to put up points. They were able to get yards. Like, that offense, you couldn't just take them lightly. I mean, you probably could score on them easily, but you still had to play the whole game. The Eagles team, you giving up, what, 70, 80? Did they give up 90 to anybody this year? I don't know. But they're giving up basketball scored numbers, and then it is not like they losing 90 to – I mean, they're not losing, like, 70 to 34. They're losing 70 to 7. So they're not even scoring. And that's just one of those things that it makes the whole league look bad when one team is just not competitive to everyone else. Um, I don't know why they weren't competitive. I can't speak on that. I'm not in the, you know, organization like that. But it's just one of the storylines that all year, just you knew you had a W when you played them. And it just kind of watered down the league that's supposedly supposed to be one of the top leagues in Europe. I mean, it is what it is.
2: Yeah, it's not beat around the bush. They had no business being in the Maple League this season. I'm just looking at the stats now. They conceded 589 points on the season. That's just
1: sad. I mean,
2: it, it's just one of those things that I feel like
1: it just proves, the the one, the difference between Division One and the Maple League, but then, two, the fact that the relegation and promotion system is tragically flawed,
2: tragically.
1: But um, what about you, Q? Was something that was, you know, a storyline for you this year?
0: Uh, I went another way. I went to the to the newly named Bad Boy Crocs, the old lineman for the Crocodiles. All year, these guys have had uh, a running meme or a running video of them just doing some of the dirtiest stuff, punching in the in the crotches. Uh, <laughs> they nasty. Yeah. They are nasty. <laughs> Yeah. some holding like these guys are just I like it but at the same time it's like all right now we've seen it a little too much like now it's just becoming like too much but i think it's funny that the crocs just have this like bad boy uh old lineman kind of like guys though um uh, to the to the rest of the league it's like all right here these guys go again but they've been doing something dirty pretty much every game and it's like right there in four in 4k. <laughs> um, so I thought that was like pretty funny that the Crocs are like uh, are like this, you know, they're uh, a playoff team, you know, and, and hopefully they don't like, get these type of you know penalties and plays in the playoffs to where you like lose, you know, starting linemen and stuff like that. So uh, I thought that was pretty funny just to to see the Crocs old linemen just being in the, the butt of a lot of jokes this season.
1: I, I like it. I, I think it's one of those things that brings over the actual, you know, spirit and culture of American football. You know, if, if me and Q know from you know, personal experience, offensive linemen, them some of the nastiest, dirtiest sons of, you know, that you ever come across. Because they have to be. They they have to be. They're usually not as physically talented as their defensive counterparts. And then they, they get no love. So they have to do things that are, you know, a little sketchy to get the job done. And if if Christian Paul is your running back, you're you going to get sketchy. You're going to get sketchy and say, you know, it's worth it. I'll get sketchy for this guy. And I think that's something that they, they definitely have done well this year. Um, shout out to the Crocodiles O-line, too. A lot of those guys are decent offensive linemen that don't get any credit. Um, I do think that you have to look at both them and the Steelers offensive line and say, okay, Some of these guys are really, really good because they're going against really good defensive players, but we're giving all the credit to the running back. That's not necessarily the case. But moving on, uh, let's keep it going. You know, we got a little bit of time. This is going to be a long one, like I said. What about some other storylines? I mean, it was seven teams. We probably have seven storylines.
2: We got something else, Chris? Yeah, just business as usual for the Steelers. I mean, they've steamrolled this league. They've gone undefeated. It seems like they're on the way to another Maple League championship again. The, the, I, in my opinion, there's the a, only one team that could compete with them. I'm sorry. I don't want to jump go you on,
1: in here because this is perfect. Hugo. But are they a dynasty? Back of course the, they are. I know Q going to disagree. The season, you know, <laughs> I circle. know oh. Q going to
2: disagree. But, oh, yes, they go. are a dynasty.
1: Here we go. I mean, they went, they went undefeated in a regular season. Q, what do you think? How do, how do you feel about the Steelers' regular season right now, Q? Oh, how do I feel about it?
0: Uh, Lee Anthony, over, and the Steelers have had a great season. I do agree.
1: <laughs> so, David Ruffin and the yeah. Temptations.
0: Yeah, this, I'll say it like that on purpose. I'll say it like that on purpose. I, I'm not taking anything away from the Steelers. Um, I have watched their games all season and I just feel like still like I just don't see the dominant like aspect of the team yet. How more dominant I don't see, can they be? They're unfair. Like like it's not like when I watch them, like I don't know. I just don't feel like um I'm sold on the fact that they're just guaranteed they're gonna like win the championship. They're not dominating that fast. Not saying that they're, they're not a good a great team. I just feel like there's still room which is every game. There's if they if they play the right team in the playoffs, that it'll be a demise. So yes, <laughs> I didn't choose them to win a championship game or they're a dynasty, not yet. We'll see in, in, in September when a championship is played, we'll see. Then I'll call them a Dynasty if they win. If they don't win, they're just another undefeated team in the regular season that came to the demise in the playoffs because they didn't really get majorly tested during the season. So we'll see.
2: I I disagree. I think that the Wolverines have tested them. Both, both games have been closely contested. I think the first one was 15 zero, was it? And the second one was 13, 12. So a two score one point game. That's
0: because Lee Anthony has been bored. (laughs) (laughs) He was making drama.
2: The boys nearly ran for 2000 yards. And he's Sorry, not even he's, playing the whole game. Sometimes
1: he's just, he's just you know making a dramatic. He got thirty he's,
2: touchdowns on the ground. This is
1: this is like pro wrestling, and he's the rock. You know, he's just trying to build it up for the crowd. He's just trying to make it something worth playing. But I I think that's good on the storylines. Uh, Q, do you have anything else storyline wise? I thought I, I had. Story. One.
0: The only storyline that we need to talk about is the Roosters surprising everybody and winning this championship. That's the only <laughs> thing we need to talk about. This guy became a
1: fanboy at the end of the season. But Roosters <laughs> started playing well towards the end of the season. This Roosters is who I chose. Fanboy. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. I got around. You know, the only
2: reason why the Roosters beat the Crocodiles last week is because the Crocodiles didn't have no CP 15. See? Maybe See? so. Maybe so. The only reason that, and I wouldn't have the picked the crocodile swing if I'd have known he wasn't playing.
0: The only reason an ugly person is almost pretty is because they almost not pretty. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> anyway, let's get let's get on with it, man. We'll, we'll, that, we'll see you this weekend.
1: You reminded me. I, this was I did have one more storyline. Sorry, I'm gonna throw this one out here. But uh, also because I saw it online, how ridiculous is it that to choose what seeding teams offer the playoffs, they do a coin flip.
2: A coin flip.
1: Like a coin flip. And, like, you've seen that on the uh, – what movie was that? Where it was, like, Perm- Permian Odessa in high school, like that high school football movie where they did a coin flip. Oh, Friday football? Night Lights. Yeah, Friday Night Lights. You saw that and you're like, oh, man, that was epic. And then here is just, you know, you hide somebody from the crocodiles on the side of the field flipping a coin <laughs> with a <with> rope <Rube laughs> flipping a coin or something. Like, it's just weird. I don't know. I, I don't disagree or agree with it. I mean, if that's the rules, that's the rules. But, damn, it has to suck to be the senior crocodiles who played great pretty much all season and then, you know, didn't have CP against the Roosters, and that basically cost them home field advantage. Was he hurt, or was he just being rested? I think just being rested, but I don't know. I am not. A, I wasn't in the locker room. I didn't ask anybody because I didn't think it was going to be that important, but it kind of is because now they're what, the three seed? Going yeah, the three seed now. Yep. Yeah, but, I mean, they do well in Helsinki. I mean. He but, likes it's not Valadro. <laughs> It's just crazy that the season came down to three teams being eight and four. One team got the two seed because they won more away games. But then uh, the other two teams, I guess they had the same amount of away game wins, so they had to flip for it. And I, I don't know. I've just never,
2: I've Some never seen. Some tie yeah, weird tiebreakers. Weird tiebreakers.
1: Weird tiebreakers here. The flipping of the coin, I, I think that goes back to Friday Night Lights. I think that's a very old and, and antiquated way to do it. And, you know, TIF, so why change, right? Just stick with it. And, yeah, those are some storylines just so y'all can chew on.
2: (laughs) Welcome to a special edition of Inside the Numbers with your host, Chris Green. Today, we will look at the top individual and team performances of the entire season. Let's start with the top offensive performances of the year. Your leading rusher was none other than Le'Anthony Riesnover of the Coopio Steelers. He had 234 carries for 1,763 yards at 7.5 yards per carry with a whopping 30 rushing touchdowns. He was averaging 146.6 rush yards per game. Those numbers are insane. The leading passer of the league? was Shea Netter of the UNC Crusaders. He completed 180 of 353 attempts at 51% completion percentage. He threw 26 touchdowns and threw 17 interceptions. The leading wide receiver was Peter Anderson of the Kotka Eagles. He had 74 receptions for 979 yards and six TDs. Let's look at the defensive side of the ball. The leading tackler was linebacker Timmy Nuka, of the Porvoo Butchers. He had 61 solos and 58 assists, which totaled 90. The sack leader was Akeem the Dream Allen from the Coopio Steelers. He totaled 11 sacks on the season. And the interception leader, well, it was shared between four players, and each of these four players had four picks. We have Mateus Castaño of the UNC Crusaders, Ronnie Lane of the Coopio Steelers, Curtis Slater of the Helsinki Wolverines and Vako Calio of the Cocker Eagles. Let's turn our eyes to the team performances. In passing yards, Helsinki Roosters topped it with 2,649 passing yards and 28 passing touchdowns. Rushing yards, the Coapio Steelers had a huge 2,633 rushing yards with a massive 45 rushing touchdowns. And then total yards was also the Coapio Steelers, who had 4,709 total yards with 71 total touchdowns. Third down conversion percentage, we've got the Coapio Steelers, who were 62 of 108, which worked at 57.4%. Defensively, passing yards, well, we've got a clean sweep here for the Coapio Steelers. They topped every single category. And in passing yards, the Copper Steelers only gave up 1,624 passing yards. They gave up 238 rushing yards and only six rushing TDs for the entire season. They only gave up 1,862 yards of total offense and 21 total touchdowns. They also topped the third down conversion with only 36 of 127, which was 28.3%. Now, as it's a special edition of Inside the Numbers, we're going to look at a few niche stats. The most penalised team of the season was the Coopio Steelers, who had a total of 98 penalties for 856 yards, which averaged at 71.3 yards per game. The highest turnover margin, we've got the Coapio Steelers at plus 12. The worst turnover margin, we've got the UNC Crusaders at minus 12. The most sacks on the team were Coopio Steelers with 38 total sacks. And the most sacked team was the UNC Crusaders with 39. And that's it going to be for Inside the Numbers for this season. Join us again, hopefully next season. We'll see you there. Are you looking for quality
1: football apparel and accessories at an affordable price? Rare Athletics is made for players by players. Head over to rare.se and get your drip today. That's R-E-Y rr.se and use code AFF twenty to receive twenty percent off all rare brand products. Let's do tough questions. First game, Steelers versus Roosters. Q, give me a question for the Roosters. Uh, how many
0: points exactly do we want to beat these guys by? That's the question. Blast from me. And the Roosters. And the Roosters four losses. Um, I think besides one game, I mean, I don't think they lost with, for more than 17 points, 16, 17 points, basically say two scores, two score games. And that's and that's against everybody, four losses, and they only really lose by two touchdowns in those losses. So I think if you keep it, uh, if you keep the lead within one score, I think the Roosters win the game. Um, okay. so so me, you're you're like,
2: forgetting the first game of the season, yeah? Um, 49-20 the Steelers nobody, beat the Roosters. Nobody 29 points.
0: About, ain't nobody cares about the first game, all right? Nobody cares about that well, game at all. I mean, all. but
2: you just said a statement, you are not know, backing it up with nope. the statistics here.
0: Let nobody me, me... cares about that game at all. The first game is, is basically like a scrimmage for everybody. <laughs> um, but We're talking about the last three losses. How about that? Maybe not the four. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, The last, <laughs> the last, the last three losses, makes
1: sense because now the you're talking about losses.
0: that makes um, sense. I think I think they'll be prepared. Like I said, I think they'll be prepared. So my question to the Roosters would be not, you know, not not the point question, but my question is um, what are you going to do different in the last two times you played them? You, um, you have season. to you have to do something different enough to stop reasoning over and put yourself in a position to win the game. I think the Roosters win the game if they can go up. We haven't seen Corpio have, having to score 21 or 28 points to come back in a game and win it. Um, so I think if the Roosters can go up, I think we see a different game for Corpio. I think reason over becomes the second option. Sounds funny, but I think it becomes the second option. If they, go, if they go up 14, 21 points, it's inevitable. You got to throw. And I think the Roosters can do that. I think then that, that goes back to me saying uh, they need to play on special teams. They need a big play on special teams. They score on special teams, and you kind of hit them in the mouth a little bit. I mean, they're going to play in Corpio. It's going to be a crazy, you know, uh, atmosphere but I think for a team like the Roosters, if you look over the years, uh, the game against uh Carlstead Crusaders, the game against the uh, Austria Vikings, I mean, the Vikings out there, nation Vikings, the Roosters have played in some close close games as an organization before, so I, I think I think we're going to see a surprise. But my question is to the Roosters is, what are you going to do different than you did
1: the last two times you played? I just want to talk about what you said about them losses, about they only lost by this many times. Well, the Roosters, the Steelers, have only not lost all season. <laughs> just just, just to put that out there, they never lost, never lost. So did so the Patriots.
0: So did the Patriots until they lost to the Giants. So hey, I don't care anything the about the Steelers ain't
2: playing the Giants. They're not playing the Giants.
0: There's no Eli Manning on your team. Actually, we have a Bryce Stanko.
1: You're right. Oh, there you go. That was a good one. You're right. A one. With a name like that, you can't lose. <laughs> With a name like that, <laughs> you Mr. College. With a name like that, you can't lose. With a name lose. like that, you can't lose. Mr. Collin. I, I do like your, your, your hard in this towards them. But uh, like you said, what, they, what can they do differently? If they do something differently, this could be a different game than what we've seen before from these two teams. My question for the Steelers would be, can you finish them? Okay. And when I say, can you finish them, all great things must come to an end. And out of, you know, the circle of life, once one life is over, another one begins. So I would say symbolically the Steelers finishing the Roosters in this game would be the beginning of their dynasty and the end of the Roosters. Would that be okay to say, Q? Them finishing, them beating them right now would put an end to that whole thing. That would say, okay, this is a new dynasty. Yeah. 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 All right. There we go. That's all I was. Can you finish them then? If you can finish them. And, and this is one of the situations, this is, you know, the Roosters, their backs are against the roll. If they don't win this game, we're not going to look at them. Like we used to look at them. We're not going to look at them as, Oh, you can't count them out. It's going to be like, well, they're a good team now. They're not a great team anymore. They're a good team. I, I mean, no matter what happens in this game, they're, they're going to be a good team, but if they beat the Steelers, I mean, we could, we're gonna be saying, you know, they're the roosters for the next another four or five years easily. So that's what they have to do. But for the Steelers, my question is, can you finish them? Put all the doubt out of anybody's mind that you are the dynasty in charge of Finland right now. Uh, I'm second, a little
2: bit dis- I'm a little bit disappointed that you uh, didn't say, can you put a fifty burger on them? Well, <laughs> if you're
1: gonna finish them. Finish them hard. Put a fifty burger. Matter of fact, put lettuce and tomato. Put up seven
0: spirits. Y'all drinking over there? But
1: you think you scoring fifty in this game? You out your mind? Yeah, I I don't think they're gonna be able to score fifty if they get up like 28 I I see the roosters holding the ball to prevent fifty over trying to win the game because the roosters do that type of stuff. They worry about saving face. The last game is the Wolverines versus
2: Crocodiles. Uh, Chris, what you got for the Wolverines? Can you finally transfer your talent on paper to on the field? So talented on paper. Arguably the best roster on paper. Can you now, it's playoff season, anything goes, can you now put that onto the field into practice? Maybe we might see, I don't know, maybe Slater play some offense as well. Maybe they Maybe they go all out. Because when he did play offense, he was the leading receiver for this team. True that, he,
1: and he's good on offense. So he could be of it could be an asset. But I don't know if that actually helps them to just add another body on offense. I think I mean now I'm just talking. But if if you look at the games that they've like played close and lost, I will outside of the Steelers, I guess I'm just looking at the Roosters and Crocodiles matchups because when they play the Steelers, the offense was you know null and void. It's just nothing happening. But you got to look at their defense. You against the Crocs and against the Roosters, you're giving up too many points. And that's what this game is going to come down to, is which team doesn't give up that last touchdown. And I think when you play against the Crocodiles, if the game is even, you trust the Crocodiles to drive down the field more than you trust the Roosters than the Wolverines. I mean, but at the same time, if the Wolverines give the Crocodiles a little bit of time at the end of the game, you're like, oh, man, I'm biting my fingernails while I'm – it could go both ways. I feel like y'all could say the same thing about them. Neither defense is great. So, just and that's what's crazy is this could be a barn burner, but both teams have really good uh, defensive lines. So, I could go either way. My question for the Crocodiles would be can you separate yourselves? This is a separating game. Like, you win this game, and we have to stop talking about how good the Wolverines are you win this game and you just, you get all the respect you deserve as being one of the best teams in the league. This team, a couple weeks ago, the crocodiles were easily in the two seed and now they're playing as the what three seed. And they she almost, did. they almost were the four seed. Thanks to a coin flip. That's how it comes down to. And we haven't said anything about it. Like we just say, Oh, they're a good team. They're a good team. They have Christian Paul. You know, it's similar to what the Steelers have going, so for I've been I've been praising that secondary all year for the Steelers. I'm not doing that for the Crocodiles. I don't see that secondary as being that good. I see a few good defensive linemen. Their linebacking core is solid, but it's a good team, not a great team. But if they beat the Wolverines in this game when it counts the most, and the Wolverines have everything to lose, if the if the Crocodiles lose, they'll they'll just be a good team again. I think they've been in the playoffs every year. Christian Powell's been there, right? Yeah. He he gets them to the playoffs. But, you know, Mark Jackson used to get um, the Golden State Warriors to the playoffs too. Then they got rid of his ass and they started winning championships. No pressure, CP, no pressure. But (laughs) getting to the playoffs can't be a goal for this team. You have to get to this Maple Bowl. And this is the opportunity. You have to go to the Wolverines. So my question to you again is, you know, can you separate yourselves in this game? If you're listening to my voice, you're now part of the AFF community. But don't be shy about supporting us. Head over to our website and order some AFF swag. Get a t-shirt for this beautiful summer weather. Or a comfy hoodie you can rock all year long. And if you really want the drip, scoop up one of our limited edition snapback caps. Everything you need to represent the AFF community can be found on our website at AmericanFootballInFinland.com forward merch. All right, guys, with the regular season, you know, finally over. Uh, I know we got playoffs coming up, but let's talk about some MVP candidates real quick. I think on here I wrote 60 seconds or less, but we know we're never going to stick to that. So let's just talk about offense and defensive players that we think would be MVPs of this season. Chris,
2: throw out a name, man. Who are you thinking and why? I'm going to throw someone out of a team, a team that's not been very successful this season, but a player that has put up some decent numbers and been very successful. Um, and that's Shane Netter, quarterback for the UNC Crusaders. Yeah, he played all 12 games. He had 353 attempts, 180 completions with a 51% completion percentage. He threw for 2,512 yards, which led the league. And he threw for 26 touchdowns, which was joint top. And he averaged 209.3 passing yards a game, which was also joint top. So putting up some crazy numbers, albeit in vain because the season didn't go great, but definitely an individual performance. And and as we said to the start of the season, we weren't really sure about Shane or how he was going to perform in this league because the Maple League is such a big set, um, step up from those German regional leagues. But actually yeah. he showed that he can do it. And not only can he do it with poor offensive line and guys in his face all the time so you know hats off to him some great numbers from him and definitely a candidate for MVP. I
1: I agree with you 100% like he's definitely one of the guys that should be on the list and just I just want to you know reiterate dude was throwing dimes under pressure like it wasn't like he was sitting in the pocket surveying and like you watch, you watch all his highlights, and then even if you see any photos online, this dude is like about to get hit in the mouth and he's letting go of a ball. And if you watch the play, he's putting it in between two defenders and getting it in a window. And it's really impressive, it's just you don't really understand the magnitude of it because you know the team situation. But he, I'm not gonna try to over it rate how good of a quarterback he is, but it kind of reminds me of how Matt Stafford was with the Lions, the Detroit Lions. Like Matt Stafford used to sling that thing and people just acted like he wasn't because his team was trash. And, and then he came over to the, you know the LA Rams and you know the rest is history. But Shea had that those type of plays and throws. Like he was doing some stuff that was amazing. Honestly amazing if you watch film. But if you don't watch film, the numbers kind of show that, hey, he was throwing that thing for real. I know he did lead the league in interceptions too, but, you know, that goes back to that that situation. Like, he has to take more chances than most quarterbacks. Nobody else is taking chances like that because no one else has to. And he was able to be really successful and take those chances at the same time. So hats off to him. He's definitely a name that should be out there. What about you, Q? Who's somebody you think could be an offensive, defensive MVP? Um, I'm going to go offense. I'm going with Bryce Dancombe for the Helsinki Roosters, quarterback
0: of the Helsinki Roosters. I'm going with Bryce simply for the fact that uh, overall total yards, around 2,500 um, through over 20 TD touchdown TDs. He ran over five or six um, rushing TDs. Um, I, I think he's probably the most important um, piece to their team, to any team right now besides uh, Lee Anthony Reasonover. Um I think without Bryce, the Roosters don't don't win eight games. Um, not saying that that the rest of the team isn't that great, but I just think he's the glue to that offense right now. He's a driving force, so I think he's very very important to their success going forward as far as the playoffs. Um, he came in; nobody knew how he would you know be his first year, obviously overseas and with 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 such a uh, praised organization. I think he lived up to the standards as far as winning and, and making it to the playoffs. That's, that's all they pretty much ask of you. And uh, I think he just put himself and put his team in a place to, to do something great. Um, maybe not the strongest of Roosters teams that we've seen, the strongest offense. It's not a Miro offense. It's not a Miko Kokolani offense, but um, Bryce found his niche. He found his place with the Roosters. And I think he's uh, the most valuable player um, or at least a candidate for it because of his play this year. So, uh, my vote definitely goes to Bryce.
2: Oh, I mean, Q basically covered it all. He's been the instrument. He's the glue to that offense. Like he's made some good throws. He's he's made some great rushing touchdowns as well. He's been that American superstar that they needed on that offense. They needed someone to be able to distribute ball. When you had, uh, before you had Brandon Canette, and then you had Miro for those years. So they've only really had two quarterbacks in the last sort of like five or six years. So, now with Bryce, he's stepped in and shown his experience, or like probably one of the most experienced college QBs that they're gonna get.
1: what yeah, seven years, seven of years, right? Seven years,
2: yeah. <laughs> and he and he's gone out and he's made a name for himself, and he's definitely put um his hat in the ring for MVP candidate. And I think next season the roosters would be silly not to try and hang on to him.
1: It's an interesting thing talking about Bryce Stancomb because I feel like he didn't play as well as he could have played and not saying it in a negative turn. I just mean like he left a lot out there. I still feel like he could have had a crazy stat season with this team and what they were doing, but, you know, just the way that they ran, you know, their system and the plays and how they did their personnel, he wasn't able to really show what he could do. And that's actually insane because he still put up, really good numbers, and he was the driving force of that team. But, again, I still feel like – I feel like you got to bring him back. I don't care if they, you know, go to Maple Bowl or not. You got to bring him back because there's – there was that beginning of the season, you could tell he was good. Like, there was no doubt about it. He can sling that thing. He was versatile. He can run the offense. But it took the receivers a while to kind of catch up to him more than the other way around. And once they started clicking – you could see this Roosters team deciding to do what they want in these games instead of what they could. And he kind of gave them that ability from a quarterback standpoint because they didn't have to worry about that at all. All season, he was money. Like, you, didn't, you could never blame him for anything that happened in those
2: games. And that's definitely something that makes you one of the top players in this league. And, and he's also doing it without an out-and-out out number one receiver. Like yeah. He doesn't really have that R.J. Long you know that Sebastian Sanya. He doesn't have that number one deep threat. Someone who's just no. going to be a game breaker for you. Okay, Nicole's nice. Yeah, he's a nice receiver, but he's no R. J. Long or Sebastian Sanya. You know, so yeah. I think he's he's done it. It means those stats even more more important because of what he's had to work with and the true. weapon had. So it like like we say in next year, if they bring him back, maybe they should bring bring a, an American receiver as well or a decent European receiver, a, a true number one threat.
1: Yeah, but then they, they'd have to actually have some faith in their uh, Finnish cornerbacks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they did bring in they did bring in two American corners. That says a lot about the lack of trust and faith. But that's the, that's, the that's only have.
0: because that's only because the Finnish corners that normally start just so happen to be so good they're playing in other places or trying to play in other places. But you're Touché. right. The depth, yeah. the depth of the Roosters are kind of running into that. Uh, we develop so good that we we're developing talent probably too not too fast, sounds like that too fast, but you don't get the longevity with those guys that you developed on your team because other teams will notice them or college or whatever they might go and do. Yeah. The Roosters are definitely they I, they develop so fast. Like I said, they develop so fast. And like you said, Bryce, if you had the you know the younger Connette brother this year. Uh, it's no telling what what that offense would have did. He he, he, de- he doesn't have a number one receiver like you said, but he's still in a in a good place to make some things happen. But if he had, I mean, if he had anybody even close to 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 the RJs to Sebastian to you know those type of guys, even if he had, I'll say even if he had Cedric, if he had Cedric Johnson playing on on the Roosters, he had ten to twelve touchdowns easily. So. Um Bryce, you know, definitely showed up. Uh, I
1: want to see him come back next year. I definitely want to see him come back next year and see what he can do with a little more help. Definitely. Yeah, name I'm going to throw out. I'm going to go defense for you guys. And I'm going to throw out a name that, I mean, is always in the mix. But for some reason, you know, we don't ever put him on the platform. It's Curtis Slater. I'm going to start by saying, you know, Wolverine secondary. Ooh, just just wasn't a good year for you guys. But <laughs> – But you got to look at what Curtis Slater does for that team. You take Curtis Slater off that defense, Wolverines don't make playoffs. I said it. Like, they don't make playoffs if you take him off the field because he did things that helped them stay in games all season. He's making plays. He's communicating. I don't know how the communication is getting lost because his corners weren't great ever. But he helps in the run game. He helps in the pass game. And he orchestrates the backhand for you. So he does a lot on the field to, you know, make things easier for, especially that front seven that just goes and get ball. But then he's a playmaker. He has, he ends up with what, four interceptions on the season. Two of Mm. them go, go for six. There's a difference in that. There's a difference in someone who can get interceptions and create turnovers and someone who can create points, especially when you're playing for a team whose offense doesn't create points. And if I'm not mistaken, was it the – which game was it? There was one game where he got an interception to actually help them stay in the game. And his interceptions are timely like that. It's not always about getting interceptions. Of course, that's not the only stat you want to talk about. But we've been talking about stats, so I'm throwing out his stats. And then the throw in there, it's not really defensive, but his returning ability is another aspect. I think he also scored a a punt return touchdown this season, if I'm not mistaken. And a fumble return. Yeah, and a fumble have, return. A return touchdown. yeah. So I, I said defensive player, but he kind of goes for what you actually would look for. And you know, that kind of like Heisman type player that we don't really have a spot for when we talk about um awards and things is that Curtis Slater makes the team better in all facets. He goes in on offense. He I mean they didn't utilize him correctly this year, obviously, but he made a he made a difference. There was times in the games where with him on offense, it really change what was possible a player like of that magnitude on the field always gives you a chance to win when we're talking about you know the the four i say the four players from the wolverines that can help them win for the playoffs we say jabari harris that's a quarterback obviously he's going to be able to make some impact we say rj long sebastian sinek receivers who the quarterback is going to try to get the ball to but then the next person we name is curtis slater a defensive back who also can impact the score of games he can take points away from a team but also be able to uh, score for a team similar to someone like you know a deion sanders type guy that played in the nfl you know like someone like Jalen ramsey great lockdown corner but he's not gonna get you pick sixes that's why you don't talk about him like you do deion sanders deion sanders he scored half the time he got interception same thing with Curtis Slater. He's a, he's a ball hawk in the sense that he knows how to get the ball and create opportunities for his team when, when and whatever they need. And there's – what game was it? It was, a, it was a scoop and score. He had a game where they were losing, and his turnover got them back in the game. And he's done that two or three times. And it's just – it's incredible. I don't have the, you know, specific stats and, and numbers to say it, but every time you watch his team, you know that they have a chance to win and defensively they're not great but you know that they can create those turnovers to put them in a position to win and he's usually the catalyst and that's what really makes him one of the best players in the league and definitely someone i think should be up for you know player of the year or defensive player of the year import of the year whatever awards y'all got because he's the catalyst for change in a league that really is just dominated by defensive linemen in my opinion I just wanted to add on to
0: the Slater man. You know, I I, I got the chance to to coach Slater in 2017, and um, got to see firsthand the work ethic that he has. It hasn't changed in like years. Um, it's almost like he doesn't age in football years, really. You know, I I I seen a lot of players come to Philly and play over five or six years, and at year after year, sometimes you kind of see a decline in play, or they they take different roles or whatever. But Slater's always been one of those top DBs obviously leading in return yards for his team leading in interceptions um he's always one of the top dbs in the league and um you know he's had his trials and tribulations and uh he got past it and and he's still one of the most wanted dbs i think i think if he plays in finland you know for the next five or six seven years he won't have no problem getting a job um i think there's no team that doesn't want him even even the Roosters. I think if the Roosters didn't, if he didn't go through what he went through, I think he'd still be playing for the Roosters right now. He's just one of those guys that like he he his 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 energy it reflects on everybody else on the team. And uh I definitely think he not just defensive player of the year, but player of the year too. I mean, he he's everywhere. Um, he's very, very important to that defense. Um, and I think he'll have some big plays coming into the playoffs um for them to have a chance. And I think as long as he's on the field, like you said, they got a chance to make a big play. So, you know, shout out to Slater though, because he, he definitely show up and show out the majority of the time. I'm
2: going I'm to give you some numbers. So you just said that he leads his team in return yards. Well, he actually leads the entire league in punt return yards with 293 on 19 attempts. So he's actually leading the league in punt return yards, and he is third return yards with 295. Yeah, so I'm going to go with another quarterback and that is Brandon Gwinner of the Poorbury Butchers. Brandon Gwinner as we know, dual threat QB. He's actually the third leading rusher in the league and he has a total of 692 rushing yards with 12 rushing touchdowns, which is big numbers for a QB. But to back that up, he's also got he, his, his completion percentage wasn't great this season, but again, he's only really had one or two weapons to throw to. But he was 282 uh, attempts, 131 completions. He threw 10 picks. He had 1,890 passing yards. And he was only two TDs off of the lead in the league with 24 touchdowns in the air. So real dual threat there by Brandon Gwinner. I think he's matured as the season's gone on. And I definitely think that some team will, will take him up uh, his um, leadership next year, hopefully. And hopefully we will see him in the league again next year with, with one of the teams in the Maple League.
1: I like Guinness pick a lot. And we were talking earlier about Bryce Sancombe and you know what he has to deal with in number one receivers. I would go as far to as say that with the with the Butchers receiving core, you're looking at the second worst in the league. Like just, just be ultimately honest. You you have Miko Sepiden, he's a great receiver, great playmaker, but he's not a real true number one. I mean, he does make some crazy plays but he's not, you know, you have to go to him or you know that you're going to get this play out of him. And their actual, like, you know, deep threat receiver is a 16-year-old, or he might be 15-year-old, Lucas Irula. And as I've said before, a lot of times, that's where his completion percentage was down, trying to throw it to that kid deep. And it it just didn't work a lot of times. And it's no knock on Brandon, honestly. I think the receiver just isn't polished enough to be that type of receiver for them but it it leads you back to okay so who's he gonna throw it to he ain't throwing to anyone else he literally throwing to those two guys i couldn't tell you another receiver that caught a pass for the butchers like uh, except for when um timmy nuica came in there a couple times at the beginning of the season and he's a linebacker i know he was playing receiver at some point but that's what you have um also they had the italian guy i think was playing receiver but you don't throw him the ball because he wasn't catching it. No offense. But that's what he had to deal with on that team. But he was able to rally. Like, him running the ball was really good for them, and they were able to make that part of their run game. And he's that versatile of a quarterback. And we said it all season. Every time the Butchers were playing, we are like, well, as long as Brandon Gwinter, you know, gives them what he does, they have a chance. And they had a chance in a lot of their games. A lot of the games, without Brandon Gwinter, they probably would have been blown out. But he kept yeah. them competitive, even when they were, what, I think they were 4-6 and six at one point, and we were like, can they make the playoffs? Because <laughs> we still felt like they were on the fringe because he gave them a chance every week. And ultimately, it didn't work out for the team, but Brandon Gwinnert definitely showed that he's worth – I mean, he impressed me a lot more than when he played in Boston. You take away Alpha Jallo, obviously things are different, but gosh, like he – Again, I don't like to make too many comparisons, but I felt like he did things very similar to what Jabari Harris did for that team with less talent, in my opinion, just a lot less talent. And defensively, they just were, you know, the same boo-boo nonsense in the secondary. But that's that's just talking about the Dallas Cowboys of Finland. It is what it is. <laughs> you know what? Another comparison. Tony Romo was a top-10 quarterback his whole career. Never got to the big show playing in Dallas. So, I mean, <laughs> we're talking about, you know, where you're playing and stuff. Vasa will be back next year, you know. I mean, holler at B. Gwynn. I mean, holler at him. Because
2: yeah. you know Vasa didn't have no American leadership. Say, I, mean, they,
1: that, I mean, it could be a reunion, you know. They they bring him back. They, they go to Vasa. Mm. I mean, you could be back in the playoffs. Vasa is still a, a decent team. I think they just took a year off. Well, I got one more sure. I'm. A, I'm a thought of another defense. Uh, Emmett Gooden. Mm. Emmett Gooden. Now, I'll be honest with you. I don't watch what is it? Last Chance You or whatever show that he was on or something like that. Yeah, last chance, to, last chance You. Yeah, he's no. supposed he's supposed to be famous from that or something. I I don't yeah. watch that. So yeah. I, I that never really played into my mind of like how he was as a player this year. But what I do know is that. I was expecting I was expecting the Wolverine's defensive line to be good. I was expecting the Corpio Steelers line to be good. So there's players out there that play good for those two teams. I wasn't expecting the crocodile's defensive line to be dominant. I was expecting their defensive line to be okay, tough, a little nasty because of Sinocki. But this number 56 was everywhere. Like, and it was ridiculous. And I know he 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 scoop and scored that like 80 yarder. And that was pretty cool for the stats and the video and stuff. But even on that type of play, he chased down the quarterback and, and made that quarterback lose the ball. Like he created those type of situations for his team. And all season, wherever he was, there was pressure. There was always pressure. I never really seen him take too many plays off, but I always saw pressure, which meant he was able to impact the other team, both in the run game and the pass game. He didn't just take breaks on run plays and decide, oh, I'll let someone else. He'll chase down a run from the backside and make the play. He was getting in on the tackles. I'm not sure exactly how many, like, uh, tackles he had. but I I got his numbers
2: here for you. I got his numbers. Okay, go ahead. Hit me with his numbers. So he had 34 solos, 30 assists out of 49. He had 8.5 sacks, which was second in the league, just behind Akeem Allen but he led the league in TFLs with 19.5. There you go.
1: See, stats always back. If you watch these games, guys, like if you watch multiple games, the stats always back it up. Like The stats really go with if you actually watch the important games and stuff, and this is a guy that I didn't didn't keep up with his stats, but he was everywhere all the time, and what you said that really made sense was the tackles for loss because if he only had eight-and-a-half sacks – but he had 19 and a half tackles for loss. That's 11 plays that were run plays that he got them in the backfield before they can get down to the line of scrimmage. That impacts games. That means on first and second down, you're behind the sticks because this guy's making the play on first and second down when you're trying to run the ball and establish your offense. So he's forcing you into a situation of third and long where he gets to pin his ear back and then go get your quarterback. He's dictating his own terms. That changes how you select your plays. That changes your field position of your team. That changes how you go into every series. That's the impact he was making from the defensive lineman position. And I think that's something that really needs to be accredited, that he should be considered one of the best players in the league, if not defensive player of the year for sure
2: this year. He was not only doing that on his own, like he was getting double teamed and triple teamed sometimes, and he was still getting his ass in the backfield. So it just goes to show that, and and his numbers probably would have even been higher if it hadn't been for everyone, like double teaming him all the time, but he was helping the rest of his team and making his defensive line that much more dominant because he was taking away double teams and triple teams.
1: Yeah, that's definitely. What about you Q, anything you want to say about Emmett? I kind of knew about him
0: before, before last chance you, he was one of the most highly rated defensive linemen um, in the state of Tennessee because um, he originally signed to Tennessee. Um, he was there, he got dismissed. You know, if you know this story, you know the story. He got dismissed and ended up going the junior college route. That's how he ended up on Last Chance U. On Last Chance U, he was definitely the best D-lineman on the team. So he's been making plays a long time like this. So I wasn't surprised uh, when I seen him. I was like, okay, he coming, he coming to Finland. You know, he had a crazy uh, football journey, but everything that he's doing now is expected. He's just one of those players, one of those dominant players like, doesn't matter where he plays, he'll, he'll have that presence. Um, he definitely showed up for the Crocodile this year. They're in the playoffs. You know what I mean? They're in the playoffs. Somebody like him can make a difference in a playoff game. I, I think in this game, he will turn up to another level. Um, for them to have a chance in this game, he will have probably have one of the best games of, of the season. Uh, he'll have to. But I think uh, he knows that. I think the crocodiles knew that they got lucky with even having a chance to get him because I'm I'm sure he could have probably uh, went ELF, um, or they probably tried to get him to go ELF. So um, the crocs definitely won on his lottery, but he showed up. He's, he's made a lot of plays since he's been in the league, and um, he definitely, definitely, definitely get a nod for, for
1: for defensive player of the year. I said it earlier. He'll be in the backfield just as much as Will Young. Jabari yeah, <laughs> might, Jabari might think he's a <laughs> running back, like. This. I don't see them figuring out any way to stop him, especially if they decide to move him around, which they do sometimes. And now that they now that they got a big shark out there to take up some of the space, you know, it's easy money for him right now. He's definitely one of the best. I think that's that's what, like five guys that we talked about. That's that's a decent pool, you know. Um, I think we I don't think there's any, I mean. <laughs> Let's not – sorry, dude. I'm pretty sure we didn't talk about Lee Anthony recent over. <laughs> <laughs> but just in all honesty, uh, Lee Anthony, we're going to give you flowers, but it's probably going to be, you know, after the big game, you know, when, when, when we got to lay it all out there. It just – you know, some people are just so good. But, uh, Chris, I know you have his stats. Throw out his stats one more time just so you all know who – it's probably easily going to run away with Player of the Year this year. Uh, go ahead,
2: Anthony yeah, Reesner, my guy. <laughs> <laughs> this is some crazy stats. Twelve games, two hundred and thirty-four rushing attempts for one thousand seven hundred and sixty-three yards. What's aver- the average? What's seven point five yards a carry? Gosh, and thirty touchdowns. He averaged. 146.9 rushing yards per game. No, if he had 30 touchdowns in 12 games, that's like two, <laughs> two and a half
1: touchdown, touchdowns a game, right?
2: 30 touchdowns on the season. He's though.
1: almost scoring three times a game. Like, they're them Madden numbers, right? Like And almost 150 yards per game rushing. That's, that's 7.5 yards a pop. That's Madden when you're playing it on rookie. Like, that's <laughs> unfair not even right. Hey, the dude's a cheat, code. <laughs> that's, He's that's a cheat coach. Yes. That's craziness. Those are those flowers. You know, the reason over is that guy. But I, I do think it'll be interesting to see, you know, offense and defensive of player of the year, because I think that that will most likely go to one of these other guys that we named. I, I don't think there's anybody that we necessarily missed on this. I'm trying to think, is there somebody that probably needs to be on the list? But I think that we hit the major names offensively. When we hit three out of the four quarter, three out of the seven quarterbacks, and then two defensive players that those are outliers because, you know, defensive players usually don't get MVP, but defensive player of the year, I think Gooden or Slater, it's going to be easy. But I I do think that these are some of the best players. I think this is a good list. I'm excited about these playoffs coming up. I'm really, really intrigued about how this is all going to shake out. Specifically the Steelers, Roosters, because Q is on some crazy stuff. But, <laughs> but other than that, like the that number two and number three game in Helsinki, that's going to be really good because they split the series. So you got a, a tiebreaker. And then also you still have a lot of these guys. There's a lot to prove. A lot of names that we named, they're in the playoffs and they're still trying to prove something with their, with their playoff. Performances like prove that they deserve to be there, that they're going to go to the Maple Bowl and things like that. So it's a, a lot of good things going on. Look good, play good. It's as simple as that. And Ray Athletics will help you look good in their fully customizable team uniforms, made by players for players. Ray Athletics produces high quality uniforms for teams all over Europe. Rayer also allows teams to design custom apparel for comfortable travel and workout purposes. Visit Rayer.se today. To take your team to the next level, stay sharp. The 2022 Maple League playoffs kick off on Friday with the Steelers hosting the Roosters. Then the Wolverines and Crocodiles play on Saturday. Our panel of football enthusiasts will pick winners from this week's game on our Instagram account at American Football in Finland. Feel free to find us in the comments with your thoughts. Right now, at the end of the regular season. Chris Green is still in first at 38 and four. Finland Swami is in second, 37 and five. Spencer is 36 and six. Coach Q is 36 and 6. And I'm in last at 35 and 7. Do y'all know that we picked 42 games this year? That's crazy. That is a lot of games. And Chris only got four wrong. But we still got one, two, three games left. So we'll That's just see he take, he- he pick the same teams every week. <laughs> <laughs> Takes no chances. He don't do no gambling. No no don't risk. need to
2: take chances. Hey, it's not about taking chances. It's about picking the winner. This is what it is. <laughs> I'm picking who I think is gonna win. That's who I think is gonna win. I ain't rolling the dice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Chris puts his his money in stocks and bonds. <laughs> and he's not I do. he's he's not putting them nowhere else. i putting mine in a shoebox under the bed. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this episode of American Football in Finland. Hope it was worth the listen. Any last words before we get out of here, fellas?
0: Let's go, Roosters. Dun, dun, dun,
1: dun, dun. Let's go,
0: Roosters. Dun, 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 dun. All we listening to all week is Maniac, Maniac. Dun, 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 dun. That's all we listen to all week, man. It's over with. It's over with for the rest of the league. Wolverines, Roosters, championship game 2022. Let's get ready for it. And make sure you record that. You write that down.
1: Liquors. <laughs> 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 Lit liquor
2: What about you Chris Any last words I mean I don't know How I follow that But Jeez um, Yeah Business end of the season Let's go get it four, The four best teams Are in the playoffs Let's go see if anyone can make something happen, turn some heads.
1: Yeah, yeah, this is where it counts. Um, I want to digress. I want to give a shout-out to the Women's League, you know, the Turku Trojans and the Helsinki Wolverines ladies are playing this weekend also on Saturday. So that's something that I'll be intrigued about because I already know that the Steelers are going to win and end up going to the Maple Bowl, so – you know, that's how I feel about it. You know, don't you start you start him off again. <laughs> I, I'm just saying, I, I kind of know how that's gonna go. So if if you guys are out and about this weekend, you know, there's a game in Helsinki. The, obviously, the Wolverines are hosting the Crocodiles in Helsinki. That'll be on Saturday. But also, there's a game in Vonta, the championship for the women. So if people happen to be around the area, you know, I might be out there too. Who knows. So, if you enjoy the show, please follow us wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to rate us five stars as well. Anything else, anything less, tells us that you're a hater. You can follow us on the gram and Facebook, at American Football in Finland. By following us on all channels, you'll have a chance to win football merch provided by our sponsors at Rare Athletics. Be sure to follow the instructions in the episode description below. Until next time, never forget... T. uh uh-huh. Yes. <laughs> and we go. We
0: American football in Finland.